0: So we're going to jump into the book of Revelation. If, if you haven't been uh, following along the past few weeks, so we've really been going chapter by chapter through this book. Um, I didn't anticipate to do that, but uh, that's just the way that it's, it's worked out. And, and today we're, we're going to be in chapters 8 and 9. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to chapters 8 and chapters 9. But what I'm, what I'm really seeing in this book Uh, that I have really avoided quite a bit, uh, just to be honest with you. And I think a lot of Christians do. I think a lot of churches avoid it because it's one of those books that's hard to understand. Um, It's one of those books that, you know, historically over the last, I think, 50 to 100 years has been taken from us by bad teaching, where someone would take the book of Revelation and try to interpret it based on Fox News and CNN kind of thing. And so we try to interpret current events with what's happening um and and take the book of revelation and try to make it mirror that way but the approach that we've been taking is a little different so we have been just really doing our best to allow the bible to interpret this book and we're finding that most of what's in the book of revelation a lot of what's written the the symbolism and the in the just the pictures and the imagery the poetry a lot of it is from the old testament you know, uh, the, the, some of the visions that John the Revelator had are some of the same visions that we see that Ezekiel, Isaiah, and Daniel all had these visions thousands of years ago. So these are things that were written before, and John the Revelator kind of brings them back to the surface. And it, it is an apocalyptic book. It is a book mostly about future events. Even though it was written you know, several centuries ago, most of what is in this book had not happened yet. Well, John the Revelator was on a small island, uh, Isle of Patmos, and he's getting this download from God. And so he's writing what he's seeing. And he's seeing all kinds of incredible things. And that's, that's really where I want to jump in today, is, is, is like some of the, the imagery and the um, just absolute, like, I mean, the, the creatures around the throne in Revelation 4. That had multiple faces of a man and a lion and an ox and and an eagle and all of these things with angels with wings full of eyes and, and and there's all of this imagery in the book and so there's a there's there's i feel like there's like two major camps with the book of revelation there's one camp that says every single bit of the book of revelation is pictorial it's imagery it's it's left for interpretation it's not real So the things that we're reading are maybe happening in in a spiritual way, but they're not going to physically happen. And I don't think I agree with that totally. I think there's a lot of imagery in the book. There's a lot of things that that I've never seen before with my own eyes. But then there's some details to these these supernatural beings, is what I'm going to call them, supernatural beings. There's details. There's names. There's locations of where they're at. There's, uh, you know, it, it, vivid details of what they look like and the messages that they bring. And so, you know, last week we talked about prayer. Revelation 8 is really the last word on prayer. And we see this angel who takes the prayers of all of us, all of Christians throughout history, all of those that serve God. It says that God has held on to those prayers. And at the appointed time, he, he called an angel to come and take those prayers mix it with fire on the altar and then and then execute those prayers on the earth and so it's almost like God was storing up the prayers of his people but I'm sure you're noticing now every week there's an angel involved in our reading there's some kind of there's a creature around the throne there's elders with crowns that are bowing down there's seraphim like that's a a different hierarchy of angel and so there's all of these creatures and things, and, and, and so the, the talk I want to give you, I just want to talk about, you know, most of the time we put these things in two categories. We have angels and we have demons, right? We, we put them in two classes. We've got angels that, that we know kind of, they, they do God's will, they do God's work, and then we have these demons that, that are, you know, some, it depends on who you ask. Some would say that they, you know, the devil made them. Some would say they they fell from heaven. And so there's all these different categories and things. And so I want to kind of jump into that. And and to to give like a broad picture of all of the supernatural, you know, created beings that we have in in the Bible, it would take weeks. Like there's a lot there. So I just want to take Revelation 8 and 9. And I want to list just, just what we see in two chapters, Revelation 8. Revelation 9. Right out of the gate in Revelation 8, you've got seven angels with trumpets. So seven distinct angels. And and part of their job was each angel had a trumpet. And when he would blow that trumpet, uh, something on the earth would begin to take place. They're known as the, the, the trumpet judgments. And so we read that right out of the gate. Uh, last week, we didn't go into detail about this angel, but it was a specific angel that God had to to mix the prayer of the saints so the prayer of God's people, with the, the fire that was on the altar. So now there's that's eight angels right there in in just one one chapter, and then we go down into Revelation eight. So an angel as it would would, would blow a trumpet, and then there was these judgments that begin to take place here on the earth, and so in Revelation eight we get details on some of these supernatural beings. One is known as a star fell from heaven an angel blows a trumpet a star falls from heaven revelation 8 verse 10 they had as a king over them the angel of the abyss whose name in hebrew gives his name abaddon and in greek gives the name but it basically means destroyer or or bitter and so we see a so it doesn't call it an angel doesn't call it a seraphim it calls it a star and he falls from heaven revelation 8 verse 13 same chapter There's an eagle now that's flying in midair that's calling out in a loud voice, Whoa, whoa to the inhabitants of the earth. It's giving giving this warning that these trumpet blasts are about to be sounded by the other three angels. So we have a talking eagle. Anybody in here ever met a talking eagle? Don't raise your hand if you have. All right. Then we see another star falling from heaven. Again, these are not stars, these are fallen angels. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and another star fell from the sky to the earth. This star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss, where there was other fallen angels held. And then we have locusts in chapter nine. And these aren't normal locusts like you you know, like you look out for when you're growing your growing your garden. These locusts look like horses. Let me read the verse to you. Verse seven, so you believe me. Horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold. Their faces resembled human faces. Interesting. Here's another angel known as the angel of the abyss, which was the leader of these locusts. So, so when I read this, to me, there's no way for me to say, okay, this is just imagery. There's so many details. There's locations. There's, there's, it gives the names of the leaders of these, these things, whatever they may be. Here's another one, verse 11, Revelation 9. They had as a king over them, the angel of the abyss gives his name, known as the destroyer. And then the last verse of Revelation 9, verse 20, I want to jump to the end. So all this is happening, John the Revelator is is writing about a time on earth where this is going to be taking place. And this is kind of where he lands. He says the rest of mankind, it's going to be a terrible time of judgment. And those that didn't repent of, of the work of their hands... This is what they were doing. They were, says they were straight out worshiping these fallen angels or demons is what they're known as. Idols of gold, silver, wood. Idols that cannot see, hear, or walk. That's a lot. G.K. Chesterton, one of my favorite thinkers, said it like this. I'm concerned with a certain way of looking at life, which was created in me by the fairy tales but has since been ratified by the mere facts and so i think first thing i want to give you right out of the gate is that we all know god created man and we learned that in sunday school for the most part but there's also this other class that god created that i'm just going to call supernatural beings that god created man and he also created these supernatural beings and you really can't go anywhere in the book of Revelation without reading about one. In, in the entire Bible, angel or angels is used 300 times. Just in the book of Revelation, the word angel or angels is used over 60 times. That doesn't include the seraphim around the throne of God or the elders or the creatures or the, the other descriptions of, of different things that we read about. That's just the word angel. And so angel, we, we know that angels are these, these created supernatural beings who were created before us. We know this because of the book of Job. The book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible, written before Genesis, and so there's some really incredible things in that book. Uh, he talks about the the Leviathan, which was this like sea creature that my son is obsessed with, uh, and uh, and so he talks about these different things that we don't see or know about today. But then in uh, in one verse here, I want to go ahead and give you the verse. Job thirty-eight. It talks about how the angels were with God with him when he created the world, and so these are are, are created beings by God, and and we have the names of two good angels in all of Scripture that I could find. You may of know know of more. But it's Gabriel and it's Michael. And we see Michael show up. We know he, him as an archangel and he protected God's people. Gabriel showed up with a message. He was a messenger angel, some believe. And so he gave the message about the coming of Jesus and, and the, his birth and his ministry. And so we see these supernatural beings are, are very involved with God's work on the planet. And when we read the book of revelation it's impossible to see how these these supernatural beings are not going to be a part of what god is is doing some of y'all are looking at me like a deer in headlights right now it's okay just hang hang with me i promise we're we're going somewhere And so god created these supernatural beings psalm 148 praise the lord praise lord from the heavens praise him from the skies praise him all his angels praise him all the armies of heaven praise him sun and moon praise him all you twinkling stars praise him skies above vapors that are high above praise him let every created thing give praise to God for he issued his command and they came into being so God created these these angels seraphim cherubim we heard we heard different classes of angels we see this in the word of God and so how many are there right have you ever wondered that like is there you know does every person have a guardian angel I don't know. My mom she used to, she gave me this little thing I put in my truck and it was like a guardian angel clip on the visor. And I'm pretty sure that thing got me out of a lot of trouble a few times. You know, before I would look at me, I'd go to get pulled over like, "Come on somebody. My Gabriel Michael, uh, the police are on my tail. I need, I need an angel here to uh, give me the words." No, but uh, anyways, I don't know if that's for sure, but the Bible says that there's a lot of angels. Like like almost to the point where you you can't even Can't even number them. Hebrews 12, verse 22. But you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festive gathering. So there's millions, I believe, of these angels. Millions. We know God created them. They didn't create themselves. The devil didn't create them. So where do we get demons from? Ezekiel 28. The best that I can tell is that Lucifer, who's known as the devil, kind of the chief over all of these dark beings, right, was at once an angel. Not just any angel, but he was a specific special angel. And Ezekiel 28 is talking about a king, but then it kicks into another gear. It talks about how um, this, this angel was walking in the garden with God when the earth was created. And it gives specific details about this angel, Lucifer. That inside of him, he was made with, with pipes and timbrels. So like, if you've ever been to an old church and those, those big organs and the pipes that line the walls, like he was created with those inside of him. And so it, there's, there's some theories out there that that Lucifer, the, the, this fallen angel that we know as the, the devil now, that he had a job in heaven as the worship leader. And Ezekiel 28 says, at some point, Lucifer got tired of directing all this worship to God and said, I'm going to keep a little bit for me. I I, I like this. I I don't really like, you know, I don't like leading the band. I I want to be the focal point of attention. It says pride was, was was found in him and he was cast down out of heaven like a star from the sky. We see the same imagery in the book of Revelation. But here's good news. Revelation 12, verse 4. That when he fell, it says that he took these stars out of the sky with him and it took a third of, the, of these, these, these angels. So he convinced a third of these created supernatural beings that were serving God to come down here with him. Y'all are looking at me really strange now. It's fascinating. And then in Genesis 6, which is not in my notes, but I, I, I just can't seem to stop thinking about it before the flood and it says in the days of Noah these fallen angels actually began to interact with, with with women and that's where we get you know the story of David and Goliath you know him as a giant well he was he was a part of that breed that where you've got these angels according to the history in, the, in our in our, our Bible came down connected with women and started giving birth to these kind of superhumans and so he was a philistine and so we know that these history tells us that these these creatures existed thousands of years ago it's fascinating what does that mean for me and you i can't help but think when i read the book of revelation every time i open it and even just just from i mean from genesis to the end that there's so much more going on in our lives than we see And even if the book of Revelation, and there's a whole camp of people that believe the book of Revelation is all just imagery and poetry and none of it's real. Well, if that is true, it still lets me know that there is unseen forces that impact our current reality. There's more going on than what we see. There's more going on than what we can actually flesh out with our own minds, what we can see with our physical eyes. Some people will shout me down when I say that and then some people are like this kid's crazy get the mic (laughs) but I think we're seeing this now played out in our world more than we ever have before and and a lot of people even non-believers they they will tell you that the dark side is real they will tell you they believe in evil and they believe in satan and they believe in but but what about the what about the angels what about this other side of this of this coin where God has these supernatural beings that he has sent down over and over and over throughout history to help man. Met with messages, with, with protection. We see it all throughout the Bible. In Daniel, there's a, a story where an angel, Daniel's caught up in prayer and, and it says his prayer uh, was, there was a the dark angel and a, and a good angel were wrestling to keep his prayer from getting to God. Beautiful imagery of how there's so much going on inside of our world, way beyond what we can see with our physical eyes. That there's something that God wants to show us, but we will not see it with 2020 vision. We won't see it with our eyes. Paul writes about this in Ephesians 6. He says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's not what you can see, it's not a person. It's, it's not a political system. It's not a church. It's not, if you're fighting a person, right out of the gate, Paul says, you're fighting the wrong battle. It's not flesh and blood. It's against rulers. It's against the authorities. It's against the powers of this dark world that we just read about. And against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. And I think if for a moment we could peel back and see what is happening, no one would have to ask us to go to church and pray. (laughs) We'd pray all the time. And when Paul gives this list, he says you're not fighting against flesh and blood, he's giving a hierarchy here. If I could throw the Greek words up on the screen for you, I'm not going to do that, but I did did the hard work for you. When he talks about these principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places, it's a hierarchy. It's almost like an order of these demonic beings that are assigned to territories and people. Have you ever wondered why there are certain communities that are just stuck with something and they can't seem to get past it? They're just riddled with drugs or they're riddled with violence or they're riddled with hate or they're riddled with injustice and it just seems to mark a, a community or it seems to mark a region. And when you, when you take that verse that Paul gives and you, and you really go into it in depth, it, it gives different levels and hierarchies of these, these dark forces that are dispatched against you and me against communities, against people. And we believe it when we see it on the news, but, it's, but, but we don't believe it, I think, sometimes in our, in our prayer closet when we're contending for something in our life and, and maybe it's, you know, we're, we're taking the battle like it's a physical battle, but maybe it's more of a spiritual battle. Over and over and over, the disciples would come to Jesus and they were confused. They had big questions and they wanted to know certain things and every time that the, the disciples every time brought Jesus a physical problem he gave them a spiritual solution every time you know there, I think about the one time where there was this, this young man and they couldn't they couldn't cast a demon out of him and so they bring him to Jesus and 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 Jesus says hey this kind only comes out by two ways prayer and fasting even though it's manifesting physically, I've got this problem physically. Jesus took it spiritual. And let's make it about you know, money. They came to Jesus and said, hey, we want to be on your right hand and your left. right? The, uh, we, we want to have a seat. in your. We want to be CFO and COO. And, and Jesus said, hey, don't worry about that. In my father's house, there's many mansions. Don't worry about this side. And so, so every time they came to Jesus with a physical problem, he had some kind of, of, of spiritual Solution, And I wish I had a story. You know, I've been asking folks angel stories the last couple of weeks, and I've had some incredible stories told to me. Incredible stories. And I don't want to breach people's confidence, but where they know that an angel visited them in a time of distress. I know a pastor of a small church, and he said every Sunday when he would go and as soon as he would open his Bible, he would see an angel in the balcony while he was preaching. He doesn't tell a lot of people that, but I believe him. When Caitlin and I first got married and we were, I don't know, maybe a year year into to, uh, living together, one night I just, I woke up out of the blue and I just was afraid. And I remember looking up, I've never told this story and at the edge, edge of the bed it was it was like somebody like a person was standing there i i, I seen like a figure and so i reached over and grabbed my glock out of the side of the bed for real like at that time i could keep guns and you know right next to the bed now i've got a, son, a kid so i gotta i got a few more steps to get to him. and so i went to grab it and i felt like the lord said this that type of weapon's not going to work with this one and i woke caitlin up i was scared i woke caitlin up and i said do you do you see that? And it like kind of just gravitated into the, to the hallway. And I turned all the lights on. I'd never prayed so long and hard in my life. Okay, I turned every light on and I got out. I didn't have any anointing oil, so I got some olive oil, baby. All right, I got the oil I had in the house. And we, we put on worship music. We anointed every doorpost in the house, every window. And from that moment, from that time, ever since... If I move into any, if I'm going to be staying there for a length of time, we anoint the house. We put, we, we anoint the, door, the, the doors, the windows, and it called me crazy. But, but ever since that experience, it got my attention. It woke me up to the realization that there's more going on. And, I, and unfortunately, I've got more stories like that that I could tell. Not a lot of good angels like to hang out with me. I don't know why. It's always the other side. One of my first jobs, I transported Baker Axe and psych patients, and uh, we had a transport from Baptist to a place called Bay Behavioral in Panama City. And I met this lady, you know, I was picking her up to take her to Bay Behavioral, and, and um, right out of the gate, first is right, right when she seen me, she started almost just tearing up and said, you look just like my son, and I haven't seen him in, in years. And I thought, thank God, this is going to be a good trip. You know what I mean? Because you never know. Like, like it, was, it, was, it was hit or miss. And I thought, okay. And we get in the back of that van, and she's singing hymns. We're talking about the Bible. She knew the Bible better than anyone I've ever met in my life. Like, could just, I mean, almost was reading books verbatim from memory. She had books memorized. And then something happened. She started, I just, I remember she, I gave her a a pen and paper because she was writing things down and she started writing these weird things. And then a little bit later, this is wild, but my, my family member was driving the van. She starts talking about things that happened to my family member when they were a kid that she knew about and a flip just switched. So as soon as we got to that facility, I locked her in the van, I ran inside, I said, y'all need to come get her uh, because I'm, I'm done here. But maybe the problems that you're facing in your life, there's more to it than than it seems. Maybe there is a real enemy that's watching us. Maybe there is these powers of darkness. When When I read about what happened last week in Texas, it makes my stomach churn. And it makes me really believe that there is another side, a different side of this that really hates what we're doing and hates light and hates innocent, and children, and, and, and there's the, you see the vivid power of darkness every day in our world. And the book of Revelation brings it to light. And this is a little, little bleak, I know, but, but I, I believe there's a, there's a spiritual battle happening in our lives every day. And it's hard to read the book of Revelation, and, and even though that this is about an appointed time, and I know that this is not happening in our world right now, when we open this book and we read about these different things, and we read about these angels, and we read about these demons, and, and, and what it, I think it should do is, number one, I don't think it's meant to scare us. I think it's meant to, 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 to awaken something inside of us. I think it's meant to, to cause us to, to not only turn to God, but when we face spiritual resistance in our life, it takes spiritual assistance to get through. And so I think God allows these things, and we see these things happening. And, and I know some people have just stories upon stories. I've only have a few. But what I really wanted to do today and my goal was to maybe wake us up to this realm, this spiritual realm that we don't think about, that we don't really talk about a lot, but we see the effects of it. We see the impacts of it. And to encourage you that these creatures didn't create themselves, that these... These are, these, all the things that we read about in the book of Revelation and all these different demons and fallen angels and stars, whatever you want to call them, all of them bow a knee to the name of Jesus. And this book lets me know that the devil will have his hour, but God will have the day. I'm going to read this to you from C.S. Lewis out of Mere Christianity. He said, one of the things that surprised me when I read the New Testament seriously was that it talked much about a dark power in the universe, a mighty evil spirit who was held to be the power behind death and disease and sin. The difference is that Christianity thinks this dark power was created by God and was good when he was created and went wrong. Christianity agrees. This universe is at war. And whether we want to accept that or not, we were born into a world at war. Not a physical war, but a spiritual one. And I think every now and then, God will give us a glimpse to keep us in the fight, I think, to keep us believing, to keep us praying. I want to close with this last story, then we're going to pray. There's a... Old Testament story, there was a prophet named Elisha. He was kind of the protege to Elijah. Elijah did many miracles, and, and Elisha, God gave him a promise. He said, if you, if you see Elijah when he's taken up to be with me in heaven, is one of the only um, persons that we know about that never died. He was translated, he was just taken off the earth. Enoch is the other one. God told Elisha, if you see this when it happens, I'm going to give you the same anointing that Elijah had. You're going to do as many miracles as him, if not more. And that's what happens. And so there's a story where Elisha is, Elisha was, in that day, the king of Israel kept the prophet close to him because he knew the prophet knew what was going on in the enemy's camp. They, they, they kept the prophet very close, especially during times of war. So they would go to the prophet and say, hey, what's the enemy doing? Where, where are they setting up? What's going on? And at this time, the king of Aram was coming against the children of Israel. And Elisha kept going into the king and saying, hey, this is where they're setting up. This is what they're doing. You need to send troops over here. And finally, the king got tired of it. The king of Aram and said, how are, how are they figuring out what we're doing? And someone told him, well, there's this prophet named Elisha, and he sees things in the future. And he said, well, we need to kill him. <laughs> and so they sent a full, all, all, everything they had and surrounded Elisha's house with horses and chariots. And so they woke up to this army surrounding the city, demanding that, that Elisha be given to them. And at the time Elisha had another protege that was studying under him. And he was panicking. He was freaking out. Losing his mind. And when I think about the Elisha and I think about the protege, I feel like I'm the protege most days. (laughs) I put on the news, I read the paper, I see what's going on in our world, and it causes sometimes fear in me. Like, what are we gonna do? What's happening? This is scary. And this is what Elisha prayed for that, his young protege that was learning under him. He said, open his eyes, 2 Kings 6, verse 17. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked around and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And that's my prayer, and that's how I want to close today, is Lord, open our eyes. Open my eyes. It seems like the world's getting darker and darker every day, but you know, I know, God, that you are still seated on the throne. And no matter what we face on this side, there's more for us than against us. No matter what spiritual battle you may be walking through right now, I just want to encourage you, things are not always what they seem and sometimes we can face spiritual battles and and, and there's, there's certain battles physically that we'll face that we can't fight physically. We gotta fight them spiritually. We gotta fight them like this. We gotta fight them like this. And there's one thing I know, prayer changes things and people can change things, but praying people will change things. And I think that's why I got, you know that what we're seeing what we're seeing what's experiencing what we're experiencing in our world right now the Christians we should be calm as a cucumber <laughs> because we know the fight is fixed that no matter what is thrown at us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal they're not earthly weapons but they're mighty through God And so God has given you weapons. It's this, I think it's worship, and it's prayer. And before we close, I just, I wanna, I felt like I needed to share this, and I'm gonna share it. And it's what I call perfect praying. And I think there's a tool that God has given Christians. There's many things in our, in Ephesians 6, Paul goes through the belt of truth, right? The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation, the 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 you know, he goes through all these different the warfare tactics, but then he goes on and he talks about praying in the spirit. And I believe it's perfect praying. And I just want you to ask God if he has more for your life, because I believe he does. And I think there's prayers, and we can pray in our own strength, but then there's praying, what I like to call praying in the spirit. In the New Testament talks about it in many different places it, Romans says it's like these groanings these utterances that come up from deep inside of our soul but it's like our spirit and our soul praying directly to God and I believe it's perfect praying because a lot of times uh, what we know as the baptism of Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 it, uh, they were praying in the spirit other people were hearing it in their language but I, I'm going to tell you who can't understand that language and I think that's the enemy that when we pray in the spirit and I believe it's a gift that God has for every person I grew up in a church where it was like, you know, when I first got introduced to it, I, I seen it going on quite a bit, and it scared me because it was confusing, and I didn't understand, and, and, and I didn't know what it was, and and I just had these, you know, folks would encourage me at the church to to seek God and pray for that gift, to pray for the gift of to, to be able to pray in the Spirit, God has more, God has more, God has more, and it took about a year of just seeking the Lord, and and God opened up something new into my life that I never had experienced or felt before. And I believe it's something that God has for every person. And so I want you to bow your head and I want you to just just for a moment pray this prayer. God, open my eyes. God, help me to see that maybe this physical battle that I'm in right now is more than that. Maybe there's more happening that I can't see. And so just ask the Lord to give you the words. We can pray in our own intellect, we can pray in our own strength, but then there's times where God says, no, I want you to pray this verse. I want you to pray this scripture. And so, Lord, that's our prayer that you would fill our mouths, God, with your words. If there's more that you have for me and for this church, God, we want to walk into that. We want every tool that you have given us to live this life in victory, to be able to overcome, to engage in this battle of light and dark to not be scared or be on the bench or on the sidelines because we don't feel like we have what we need, but to be able to stand toe-to-toe and say, no, send me in. I've, I've got the tools. I'm equipped. And So, Lord, we just pray for more of you every day, God, that we experience more of you, God. We just give you so much honor. We give you the praise it's in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen